Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long Your life will pass by as a vapor And you will stand before the judgment seat of God And every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things The Lord of Lord and King of Kings You know the one you never knew While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is the shelter from the coming storm All creation shakes at the mention of his name He has power over life and death Every knee will bow and tongue confess Heaven and earth will proclaim That Jesus Christ is Lord To the glory of the Father Will you bow, will you surrender To His majesty He can save you from the might of all your sin the fight in which he stands in perfect victory while you have breath you have a choice to make in life turn away from your sin and believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter from the coming storm While you have breath 
choice to make in life Turn away from all your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter from the coming storm. He is the only shelter from the coming storm. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. There is no privileged or special place. There is no special relationship with God or with Jesus that will allow you to continue to walk in any kind of sin before this holy and righteous God. It's just not there. I want to read a passage of scripture for you that I think we need to hear today. It's found in the Apostle Peter's last words as he was preparing his heart with his wife to be crucified. They were both shortly after the writing of this crucified for Christ. Second Peter, the third chapter, I'll begin reading in verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements being burned up will be destroyed. Both the earth and the works in it will be consumed by fire. Consequently, all these things being destroyed, what kind of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godly acts, expecting and eagerly desiring the arrival of the day of the Lord, because of which the heavens being on fire will be destroyed and the elements being burned up are melted. But according to his promise, We expect a new heaven, a new earth, in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, while expecting these things, you must make every effort to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. In fact, you must regard the patience of our Lord As for salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom having been given to him, wrote to you, as also in all his letters, speaking to them concerning these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which things the ignorant and unstable twist, as also the other scriptures, to their own destruction." 
You're therefore beloved, knowing beforehand you must guard yourselves, lest that having been led away by the air of the lawless ones, you may fall from your own steadfastness. Now you must grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. We're faced then with the question, the very difficult question. How do we deal with our stubborn hearts? Do you recognize that you have a stubborn heart? And if you're willing to recognize that, how then will you deal with it? How will you deal with a stubborn heart? Well, what is a stubborn heart? A heart that demands to have its own way. A heart that says, I have rights and God loves me. He's my best friend. I'm on my way to heaven. But there are There are holes in your life. There are hiding places in your heart where the the wickedness dwells. You can excuse it, but God won't excuse it. In Jude, the first chapter, verse 5, now I want you to recall that the Lord, having saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward he brought to ruin the ones not having believed, refusing to obey. To believe is to obey. I want you to do what I did this morning as I was before the Lord. Let this word begin to just soak into your soul. Go slow. Hear what it's saying in fact, not in fancy, but in fact. That he brought these people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, with a great deliverance, with demonstrations of incredible power and miracles as as God led them out, and then he provided them with manna to eat in the desert every day. He provided them with fresh running water. He provided them with a cloud of air conditioning over them. He provided them with a pillar of fire for warmth at night. He did everything. He carried them in his arms. But then he sent them into the wilderness to die. All who did not believe or obey him. And then verse 6, And so the angels, not having kept their own domain, but having abandoned their own positions, he's kept in eternal bonds under darkness for judgment with respect to that great day. 
let that sink into your heart for a moment. Right now, as we're talking with one another, there is a place. I don't know if it's in Iraq. I don't know where it's at. But there is a place on the earth where powerful beings called angels who rebelled against the Most High, who, according to Scripture, came down and had sexual relationships with the sons or with the daughters of Adam, who taught them all kinds of skills of seduction, taught the men the art of war, creating technology that was incredible. He led them astray. These angels have for now all of these many years, what, 4,000 plus years? They've been imprisoned in darkness. Can you imagine an angelic being imprisoned in darkness with their minds working and understanding, but angry and bitter? It says he's kept them in eternal bonds under darkness for judgment with respect to the great day. That is the white throne judgment. There's no redemption for the angels because they were not tricked. They willingly partook and signed a covenant against the God of heaven. And all joined together in the grievous sin of leaving their position of responsibility and seduced the daughters of men and produced the Nephilim. They have been kept conscious in prisons of darkness. Then in verse 7, as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities surrounding them, having indulged in immorality and having gone after different flesh, that is homosexual, in a similar manner to these angels, they lie before all as an example, undergoing the penalty of eternal fire. So we have now three examples of what God will do in judgment against sinners. What he did with the children of Israel, what he did with the angels who left their position and seduced the women of men, and then Sodom and Gomorrah. We have three examples of God's reality in dealing with sin. So, let me say to you again, there is no special place, a special understanding. The teachings of the Apostle Paul have been twisted by wicked men, and they have destroyed the value of the blood of Jesus Christ, and they have made it the same as the blood of bulls, of of lambs. 
In the Old Covenant, the blood of bulls and lambs in Hebrews 10 was used to allow God to declare men righteous as they waited for the cross and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. When Jesus died on Calvary, no longer could wicked men be declared righteous. Rather, in the new covenant, men are made righteous. Righteousness coming from another source and not the law, but coming directly from the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, I I say all of this come back to this issue of a stubborn a stubborn heart if you've listened very long to this broadcast i've gone through romans galatians colossians i've shown you to be true what i've just said in the scriptures and if you want if you're new and you want to go back and really look at something Go back and and read and pray over Romans, the sixth chapter. Now, let's come right to the heart of the issue, could we? This stubborn heart says, I am an individual unto myself, independent, And I can do what I want to do. I can go where I want to go. I can spend the money I want to spend. I am an individual with the right of control over my life. And so we have our favorite health club. We have our favorite restaurant. We have our favorite car. We have our favorite house. We have our favorite church. We have many different connections out here, and they all flow to me. And so I have a whole smorgasbord of of items that I've collected for me. And I'm in charge of my own life. Now, I say as a Christian, I belong to Jesus. But practically, in terms of how we live, I belong to me. That's the stubborn heart that says, I belong to myself, but I choose Jesus, and I choose to stop doing certain things, like I stopped watching television. It was just pure evil. It filled my heart with wickedness. I didn't want that, and and I did want that. And the Lord said to me, turn your television off. And then finally, throw your television in the garbage. A large screen, brand new, $1,000 Sony. I put it in the garbage. Okay, we can stop our alcohol consumption if 
if that's what God calls us to do, instead of being a drunkard, an alcoholic, we can stop smoking if that's what God calls us to do, and I believe it is. You can even stop fornicating. You can stop that illicit adulterer relationship. You can stop the molestation of children. You can stop many things that need to be eradicated from your life. And you will be a better person for having done that. But you're still your own. You still belong to you. You are in charge of your life. When I've spoken to people about this issue and I try to talk about it, they look at me like I'm from Mars. Of course I'm in charge of my life. I'm responsible. problem with this is this is assuming I have a special relationship with Jesus and he's going to cover my sin and I'm good to go. It's not true. It's simply a lie. Read carefully the entire book of Jude. It's very short. But read the book of Jude. This leads me back to a passage of scripture that I'm, again, reading and praying over and meditating over. It's found in John the words of Jesus just before he's crucified. Everything that Jesus said was of vital import, but I particularly appreciate those things he said as the risen Christ and those things he said just prior to his crucifixion when he knew he had to just speak it straight with love. So I want to come and talk about what is the cure for a stubborn heart. He says, I am the vine, the true one. See, most of us have many vines connecting in our lives. And we take some from the movies, some from the video games, some from the television some from the YouTube, some from our cell phone. We have all kinds of connections out here and and opportunities. Somebody said to me, and I think accurately, they don't have a thought life. They don't think. Thinking is hard work. And some people just don't want to do the work of thinking. What do I mean? We have many natural urges in the old man of flesh, of sin. 
We have a natural urge toward illicit sexual life, whether it's masturbation or fornication or adultery. There is a a wicked part of every person's heart that lusts after some form of sexual uncleanness. There is a part of every person's heart that desires comfort, to be pampered. We want what we want. There is a part of every person's heart that loves the party, that loves the social activity. These lusts are referred to in scriptures as the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the love of the world, boasting of what you have and do. These are just a part of every human being. So some people just respond constantly to the next urge that they have. I spoke with a person this morning. They're kind of typical of this. Oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. This is important to me. I've got to go here. I've got to go there. I've got to buy this. There's no real thought going on. It's just what will please me. And I'm going to go do whatever will please me. If it pleases me to cuss somebody out and, and I can get away with it, I'll cuss them out. Don't cross me. So I meet people like this often who really have no thought life. They just are driven by the lust of their heart. And they go after whatever they think right then. One man that I met said, it's too hard to follow Jesus. Well, I know why he said it was too hard to follow Jesus, because he's an alcoholic. He's a druggie. He is a seeker of pleasure, of whatever kind of pleasure he can get his hands on. He just wants to live. And in the process, he's dying. And death will take him. He doesn't want to follow Jesus. It's too much work. Some that I talk with, all they care about is work. If it's hard, it's good. If there's an easy way to do something and a hard way to do it, they'll always choose the hard way because somehow in their mind, there is some kind of merit in doing things the hard way. Now, what I'm trying to say is all of these vines connecting drive a person's life. And when you begin to cut off those vines, those sources of energy, those sources of pleasure, those sources of of livelihood. I heard about a man yesterday who who plays the gambling and makes good money doing it. 
What motivation would he have to do anything else if he can stay home and and have his cigarettes and have his coffee and play the games and make money? We seem to find which vines taste the best to us. And off we go to the races. Now, where we begin to run into the stubborn heart is where the Holy Spirit begins to speak to us. And he says, cut that vine off. And we say, okay, I'll cut it off. And then you know what we do. We go right back to it like a pig going back to wallow in the mud. Or like a dog going back and eating its vomit. These vines have tremendous power in our lives. And, and how do we begin to deal with this stubbornness that rises up that says... I really love that. I want it. It tastes good to me. It makes me feel good. I'm energized. How do I deal with that? Jesus is saying, I'm the vine, the true, the true one, the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. And every branch in me not bearing fruit, he cuts it off. And every branch bearing fruit, he prunes. He always prunes that it may bear more fruit. Okay, here we have it. This is reality. There's only one vine that gives us life. I can tell you right now, If you have a wife that you love dearly and you make her the vine of your life, the day will come when she will die. If you make the movies the vine of your life, if you make the video games the vine of your life, the day will come when they will become boring to you. And you'll say, I can't watch any more Hallmark movies. I can't watch any more action movies. I can't. They're, they're just boring to me. I know what's going to come. I know the plots. I've seen them all. I'm tired of them. Okay, then you connect to another vine. And another vine and another vine. And you live your whole life connecting to these vines. But Jesus is saying, I am the vine. Now, please hear what I'm trying to say to you today. Jesus wants you to be free of every vine that you try to suck sap from, nurturance, strength, courage. He wants you to cut them all off. But pastor, I enjoy that. Cut them all off. And get connected to Jesus Christ. And now, 
your dwelling in Jesus Christ. And now he will bring to you what he wants you to have. He said to me audibly, like we're talking now, will you receive only from my hand what I choose to give you? I said, yes. He said, then turn the television off. Why would he say that to me? Because that was my drug of choice, entertainment, social media. Turn it off. And yet today, I'm on YouTube, social media. What happened? Well, I got connected to Jesus. And then Jesus tells me what I'm to do and where I'm to go and how I'm to operate. Out of reading the word of God, out of learning what a Christian is and how a Christian operates. And I was born from above. But let me back up just a minute. What is the cure for a stubborn heart? The cure is really very simple. The cure is getting down on your face before Almighty God, getting down on your knees, or sitting in your chair quietly before the Lord and honestly confessing to him that you have a stubborn, stubborn heart and ask him to take your stubborn heart away from you. Ask him to break its power over you. Ask Jesus to remove your stubbornness. I know some of you go back time after time. You go back to your anger, your judgments. I know, look, I speak in a very direct, unvarnished manner. And I don't meet some of your expectations. And some of you get very angry with me. And I don't hear from you for months. And then suddenly you'll pop back up. Why? Well, because you've gotten over your mad. And you want to hear what Pastor Ray is saying now. Is he saying the same thing or has he changed his message? No, I'm saying the same thing for the last 20 years. I'll continue saying the same thing until I die. But I also have to tell you, I've had to do what I'm telling you. I've had a very stubborn heart. I want to make some decisions on my own. And I've created much suffering for myself and for others by some of those foolish decisions that I've made. And the Lord says, let me take that stubbornness out of your heart. Remember, I I opened this broadcast saying, there is no special arrangement you can make with God that you can keep your stubbornness and your opinions and enter into the kingdom of God. They've got to go. 
So many people are going to go to hell because of their opinion. I run into opinions all the time. I don't want anybody's opinion. I want the truth. I want Jesus. I want the honesty that he brings. I want the arrows of conviction that he brings. Now, some of you this morning and this afternoon are wavering and you're about to go diving back into some wicked thing that you know is wrong and you make excuses and you say, I know it's wrong, but man, I just don't have the strength to say no. Now, it's not, it's not going to hurt me this one more time. I'll go back. I know I'll repent, but I'll go back and I'll enjoy it one more time. The angels of God were sent to prison and for thousands of years they have been kept in utter darkness in chains that they cannot break waiting for the day of judgment when they will be cast into the fires of hell with the devil and with all of those others who maintained their stubbornness and kept going after the lust of their heart. Children of Israel had to walk in circles in the desert for 40 years. I pray to God that some of them repented and and will be in heaven I'd like to talk with someone here how they felt after 20 years walking in circles, knowing that they were dying because of their sin and were not allowed to go into the promised land. Sodom and Gomorrah, they got up that morning. They were putting an addition on the house. They were planning a wedding feast. They were downtown bartering with gold and silver for the goods they desired. And fire fell from heaven, terrified them, and burned them to death, a very painful death. The same's going to happen again. That's what Peter said, the world is being held for fire. First, there was a a water deluge, a, a flood. Some scientists and geologists trying to figure out why they go into a place like England and they do a DNA test and then they do a DNA test with the builders of, of ancient monuments and there's no similarity between them. Well, I know why. The flood came and carried them all away. And they have now a whole new population. But that new population is going to burn in the fire if they are not willing to give up their stubborn hearts and turn and let Jesus heal them. I hear people say, I should be spending more time in prayer and I should be spending more time reading the scriptures. I should be, I should be, I should be. Well, what they're saying is they're not taking the word of God very seriously. 
and they think they've got the strength to make it through on their own. And so they're this little independent person. Okay, I'm supposed to do this and not supposed to do that. Okay, I'll, I'll work on that. And people say to me, in all honesty, people say to me, Pastor, I'm working on some things, but I'm not there yet. Well, why aren't you there yet? Because you've got a stubborn heart. You've got a stubborn heart. And you're going to have to go to the Lord and confess that you have vines that you're connected to and you like the taste of those vines. You like the taste of those of those video games. You like the taste of that gambling. You like the taste of that pornography. You like the taste of that masturbation. That sodomy. You like the taste of of buying whatever you want to buy and going wherever you want to go. And you like the taste of getting in that beautiful new car, smelling the aroma and driving down the street and say, look, I'm somebody. This is my car. Sound familiar to uh, another man we've spoken of recently, Nebuchadnezzar? This is my great kingdom. Look what I've built. I built this house. This is mine. I'm somebody. Stubborn heart. Ready to perish. Ready to be swept away in the judgment fire that's coming upon the earth. Please, I beg you today. Stop. Say no. Say no. Remember Joseph? He was a slave in Potiphar's house. And Potiphar had a beautiful wife. He's a young man, hormones hopping and popping in him. And she wants to go to bed with him. Now he has a chance to get even with Potiphar. He can have his wife. He can laugh at Potiphar. He's now the man. He now has Potiphar's wife. No, he turns and runs. What is it you need to turn and run from? You've been hanging and sucking on that vine for how many years? And it has brought you some pleasure. It's made you feel like you were somebody. Jesus said, I am the vine. He doesn't say the vine is the job or the car or the truck. Oh, I I need this brand new big $100,000 truck for my business. Really? Or do you need it for your pride? Do you understand what I'm saying? My father's the vine dresser. 
Every branch in me not bearing fruit, he will cut it off. See, you can't be connected to Jesus and connected to all of these other vines. He will only allow you to be connected to him. Anything else has to be cut off. And then he will connect you with the work he wants you to do, with the enjoyment he wants you to have. He will send you to rest. He will send you to a place where you can eat. He will send you as his servant, representing him to go where he wants you to go and do what he wants you to do. But he's in charge, not you. Notice. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one remaining in union with me and I with him, this one bears much fruit. Because apart from me, you're not able to do anything. That is, you're not able to do anything that will count on the day of judgment. You're not able to do anything for the salvation of souls. You're not able to do the work of the gospel. You're not able to, you're not able to do anything that counts. Everything that's not planted by the Father will be pulled up and burned on that great judgment day. Now it says, if anyone may not remain in union with me, he was thrown out as the branch and was dried up. How dry are you today? How lukewarm are you today? Are you drying up? Then it's because you're not in union with Jesus. You're in union with your television. You're in union with your parties. You're in union with what you want, what your lust of their heart says, I must have this. Okay, go get it. You're not in union with Jesus. You're out of union. Now, I'm going to say something that some of you may have a hard time with. Here it is. You can be in union with Jesus, utterly given to him. And then suddenly a temptation comes and you go for it. And when you go for it, you are cut off from the vine, Jesus, because you cannot have competing vines with Jesus. And when you're cut off, the life-giving sap of Jesus Christ does not flow in your life any longer. There is a place... There is a place in Jesus I'm going to read this to you Philippians the third chapter verse 15 therefore as many as are perfect what's that perfect word mean it means complete whole it means connected to Jesus connected to the vine let us think this one thing 
Now, if you think differently, God will also reveal this to you. Nevertheless, to what we attained, we are to hold to the same standard, to think the same things. Brethren, you must be followers, imitators of me, and pay attention to the ones thus walking, just as you have us as an example. Now, many walk, of whom I used to often tell you, and now I say even weeping, they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is their destruction, whose God is the belly, and the glory is in their shame. The ones minding the things on earth. Indeed, our homeland is in the heavens, out from which we also eagerly await the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humiliation for it to become similar to his body of glory, according to the working of his presence, even to subject all things to himself. So, I have had to give up me. We talk about this. We say, we, Jesus, I give myself to you. I die. I'm crucified with you, Christ. I'm dead to myself. And then we go and walk in the ways of the world. And we're not in Christ. We're in ourselves. We just wanted to get a connection with Jesus like we want a connection with the, the job and the world and the friends and the lifestyle. My brothers, my sisters, Jesus wants you to remain in union with him. He wants the words of Jesus to remain in you. He wants you for himself. You cannot be of the world and be of Jesus. There is no special arrangement for you so that you can be one with the world and one with the way of darkness. Some of you are very stubborn-hearted, And you say, oh, pastor, I'm struggling. I'm trying. No, you're not. You're stubborn. Repent of your stubbornness. And get connected with Jesus. And he will supply all your needs. He'll carry you in his arms. He'll love you. And he'll send you on his work and his mission and his place. And you'll do it the way he tells you. Well, we're out of time for today. I'm going to come back and talk about this again tomorrow. This is so big. We've got to deal with this stubborn heart. Please write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I'm not in need, 
but I want to say thank you for participating with me in this work of giving and receiving. Thank you for your love for the work of the gospel and the way you constantly send support that I can remain on this radio broadcast and on this YouTube channel. I know I'm here because Jesus sent me. And I know you give because Jesus tells you to give. I appreciate you. I treasure you and love you. And we have to deal with this stubborn heart. So please tell your friends, family, if you would go on the YouTube and subscribe to our our channel. Uh, we just can't get to the 700 mark, and I'm eager to pass that mark. The more people hear, the more the gospel can go forward. So if you're not subscribed, please go subscribe and say, yes, I like this. I need it. God's in it. So uh, go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. There are podcasts and videos that are available. Lord Jesus, I just plead your grace and your mercy for each who's listening. I ask that this stubborn heart can be totally replaced with your grace and your mercy. Lord, we've been a very stubborn, rebellious people. I'm asking you to change this and lift up a standard of righteousness in this nation and send true revival of holiness. Thank you, Lord. I pray in your name. Amen. God bless you. I love you. We'll talk soon.